Yeah, uh, I'm I'm good. You're so rolling? I guess here's the first here's the first question that I uh, that I'm going to ask you is how the hell do you say your last name? Horbovitz. Horbovitz. Yeah, it's it's just how it's spelled. My first name is actually I think harder. Arian. 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 That's not as hard as Horbovitz. Horbovitz. Horbovitz is not bad. That's hard. Uh, it's not Biakovatuka or you know something like that. Or, <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to Rust Belt Startup. I'm your host, Ryan Miller. Uh, this is a podcast where we reconstruct Remarkable. It's, it's long-form conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, educators, people that are just living interesting lives in interesting locations. I'm getting some emails and some uh, some ratings on, on the, the podcast store. Thank you. This is awesome. I'm glad people are digging the conversation. So as you heard from that little... Uh, the, the, completely mangling of uh of my next guest's name today i'm talking with arian horbovitz and he is the author of a blog called the urban phoenix where he focuses on uh, conversations surrounding our urban environments and he's the perfect person to talk to about rust belt city revitalization and he came he came down to utica he's a he's a person that i actually uh, got in touch with via his blog uh, a while ago and we've been we've been digital digital uh digital friends digital uh acquaintances uh for a while because i love what he's doing i love the stuff that he's writing about and and the stuff he's thinking about when it comes to revitalization and what makes a great city and so, so we had a we had a great chat a couple of months ago uh, here in Utica. He 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 took the train in and he brought his foldable bike, which he does. And uh, we sat down, and had a chat. And and this is this is the great thing, you know, when I when I edit these podcasts or have these conversations. Um, there's there you sit down with people sometimes, and you just have a conversation. Sometimes it works better than others, and this was one of those conversations where you didn't have to edit it. This was just great talk. It was great chat. We talk about trains. We talk about Rust Belt cities, and we talk about what makes a great city. So I'm going to shut up now. We're going to get into this conversation with Arian Horbovitz of the Urban Phoenix. Um, I wanted. I should. I should say that we're we're recording this um, at the office. I wanted to do. You're a you're a train guy. Yes. And w- I wanted to do this on a train, <laughs> which I thought would be. I was going to take the train to Rochester, pick like pick you up oh, and then go legendary. to Utica or something. I don't know how I was going to do it, but I, I wanted to do it this on a train. Um, why are you a train person? I have no idea. I was born in Chicago, and. My mom tells this story. You have the L train. So, mm-hmm. like, in New York, you have the subways. If you've never been to Chicago, the train, for the most part, is elevated above the city. Right. And she tells me this story the first time she took me on an L platform. When the train rolls in, the platform shakes. doesn't mm-hmm. matter where you are, whatever stop in, in Chicago you are, you're in. The, the, the platform just shakes and it rumbles. And she said, I just tensed up and got this look of euphoria on my face. Hmm. And for whatever reason, that's never gone away. I, I hear a train, I feel a train, see a train go by. And I don't know what it is. It's the biggest geek thing in the world. Hmm. I just love it. I always have. I actually worked on a short line railroad that really? ran through my town. It was a little fourteen mile railroad that got bought out later by a bigger huh. bigger outfit. But it was one locomotive, basically one guy running the thing and he just needed some help on the was side. Was it a tourism thing or was it the haul? No, stuff? it was freight. It was all huh. freight, yeah. So I Or lived, fourteen miles, that was it? Fourteen miles from Manchester, New York, Manchester Shortsville to Victor, New York. And they would take uh, cars for Victor, most of their traffic was 
um, they serviced a, an insulator company that was right across from where I lived. Okay. And that's where the engine house was. So when I was a little kid, I'd go out and when I heard the train whistle, I'd go run down, bike down to the, the crossing and see him go through. Huh. And and he said, "Hey, when you turn eighteen, you know you, you can, can work get, you me. can come work for me for minimum well, for, just about for, minimum for no wage, money, for nothing. Yeah, <laughs> basically. And and I did that, and it was just mm-hmm. fun because it was, you know, the rest of my life has been for the most part, you know, office work and things like that. This was real hmm. work, and and I mean, we put in spikes by hand. You know, we replaced ties by hmm. hand. We ran train crew." You know, climbing on trains and hanging off them at you know thirty miles an hour as they're going. That's awesome. It, 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 it was really, really fun, and I'm so glad I had those few years of that kind of real work experience. And the neat thing is, there's so many people. You know, older people. I know. I, I've had conversations with people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and when I tell them I worked on a railroad, they light up mm-hmm. because maybe they did, or their grandfather yeah. did, or their father. You know, there's so much railroad history in this country, and it just it's so amazing. I've had. I've used that as a connection, connecting point to so many people that are a little bit older. You know, I, when I was uh, I was doing this this his, uh, historical bag square project um, as a, as a pet project and learning more about um, this bag square east where we're yeah. at right now. Mm-hmm. And this was the largest uh, stockyard east of the Mississippi mm-hmm. was in Utica. Yes, in Utica, crazy. Well, this was I mean, this was a manufacturing hotbed. Yeah. This was where it was, especially along here. Most people don't realize that, you know, what, Troy, New York, mm-hmm. and, you know, Utica was huge with manufacturing. Troy, New York, and, um, was it Troy and, and Amsterdam, New York, where they battled for a long time for the highest per capita income. Interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, of, of, any, of any, you know, cities in, in the country. And you'd never really well, you had kind the canal of and that. you had the railroad, you had, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You had so much manufacturing. There was, there was, you had, you know, New York Central ran right through here. They had a four-track mm-hmm. main line where, you know, where it's now two. And then, yeah, you had these giant yards where, you know, just all this product got switched out and sent all over the country. It's super cool. Yeah. So you live in Rochester now. I do. Another I do. Uh, yeah. uh, burgeoning. I, actually, I was out there. I, we took my kid to the, uh, the Museum of Play out there. Isn't that great? It's amazing. Isn't that incredible? It's outstanding, <clears throat> and I never really, I had never really bummed around downtown Rochester, mm-hmm. and uh, what it's great, it's awesome. It's coming along. It's it, you know you mentioned the strong, and I love the strong museum because so rarely do we have family friendly yeah. components to our cities, and you know something I write about a lot with Urban Phoenix in my blog is you know how do we get the concept of you know we want you to feel comfortable about bringing your family here maybe living here with your family mm-hmm. and those are things that people don't typically associate with city life and you know my vision is to try to get that family component back down into our cities and not just make them giant entertainment complexes where you eat and drink hey that that stuff is great, great. too but yeah. it, but it, you know it's it's and it's needed but to have something like the strong museum downtown it's a wonderful and i think sometimes underappreciated resource that we have in Rochester. Um, you know, and they're going through a huge expansion project into the inner loop infill. I don't know if you know that story. I think I got <clears> a <throat> little lost on the inner loop. So what is the inner, <laughs> what is the inner loop and what are they filling so in? So I'll, I'll sidestep with the inner loop conversation because it kind of leads into, you know, so much of the stuff that I talk about as far as urbanism. But um, the inner loop was in Rochester was a... Um, it was. It's an expressway, basically, mm-hmm. that encircles the city. It, it goes. Yes, I think I went around two or it three times. Exactly, yeah. Yes, you you very much can do that, and it spits you out kind mm-hmm. of where you need to go, which sounds really great, except for the fact that you know, kind of the 
the, the core of where we kind of destroyed the fabric of our cities was when we started building highways directly through them. We, these highways acted as barriers for our cities, both uh, physical, socioeconomic, psychological. Uh, and we see that, you know, in cities like Syracuse, cities mm-hmm. like Buffalo, cities like every city USA, uh, we made this mistake. So very long story short, as we're realizing this across the country, uh, a lot of cities are working to uh, take these structures down and, and realizing that uh, they're not necessary and anymore. doing what with them? Just it's now well, street. So this is under- this was so the section that was filled in. They filled in the east section, for example, and it was below grade, so it was down below mm-hmm. the street level. Okay, way down below the street level, and there were just you know bridges across it. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they they were faced with actually this is a DOT call, I believe. They were faced with the fact that okay, it was going to take a, a, you know tens of millions of dollars to bring it back up to to spec because they needed to do a tremendous amount of work to it, or for about half that money, they could fill it in and turn it into uh, space that could add uh, tax revenue and, and you know, vibrancy to the city. And it, it, what's, what is amazing is we've created like five, six, seven hundred thousand square feet of space. That didn't that was, exist. That didn't yeah. exist, that was yeah. road. And now it's going to be a neighborhood. It's, awesome. it's going to be a neighborhood literally where there was none before. And when you're talking about cities, especially dense cities our cities are nowhere as dense as they used to be but uh, because of you know parking and and Mm -hmm. highways running through them and things like that but you know when you're talking about cities you're talking about it's very hard to build new stuff or or, you know you can put put a building here a building there something like that but what we've done is we've reclaimed some space that we took an economic liability and turned it into potential revenue and and it's coming I think what we've and we've seen this here you know we name uh commercial developments uh, <laughs> after the shit that we plowed yes. up to make yeah. them, right? <laughs> exactly. The Orchard, yes. Pheasant Crossing, <laughs> you know, Peacock that's Landing. Such, that's such a great you point. Know, yeah. And, it's, yeah. and now it's a Walmart at yes. Pheasant Crossing. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's yeah, what exactly. we decide to do. So that's how we pay homage to it. That's all the, it. That's all the it. shit yeah, we plowed just, up. Just plow it down and yeah, now that's the, 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 the whatever. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at it. It's horrible. No, it, just, it, it, it's, you, you have to laugh at it. I think, I think you have to almost have a sense of humor about it because if you really look back on it and say what we did it it's you know to to kind of disrupt our cities and again mm-hmm. the the fabric and flow of our cities and these are aren't easy concepts for a lot of people to understand that just want to get to their job mm-hmm. as quickly as possible sure. the idea that you know look you can if we can just cut 30 seconds to a minute out of your commute for the extraordinary benefit of this the the the, the good of the yeah. city and, yeah. and what we can do um you know, isn't that worth it? Well, you can do it. You're, you know, we're not Los Angeles. No. You know, um, and, and I think um, when you look at um, cities like Ithaca or um, any, any, any place that kind of has decided we're going to make some, let's just, let's just go to the extreme. We're going to make something pedestrian only. Sure. That be, just by default, that becomes the center of it's where does. people want to go. It does. Right? It does. And so it's, it seems like this is kind of a repeatable thing that can But here's the funny thing is you can say that and it's true and people can, you can name 20 different examples. You know, most people can say, oh, I love this spot, love this spot, love this spot. And I can say, well, that's pedestrian only. But if you do that to their city or that road that they drive on, they flip out. People are, you know, and I'm not, I don't, I don't like to, to 
make it a negative thing. But people are very attached to their car. People are very attached to their convenience, to their route, to their whatever. Mm -hmm. And if you disrupt that, people really start, they make it, it becomes a personal attack. Because you realize people associate, I think people associate cars with freedom. Mm-hmm. And I would agree with they that. consider that a person. And I'm painting with a very broad brush sure. here, but I think people consider when you start talking about, "Hey, let's, you know, let's slow the cars down a little bit, or let's reclaim some of this highway space or some of this parking space," you know, to create something much more interesting and nuanced, and 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 like you said, ultimately something that people are going to want to see and visit and and go to. It becomes a destination. It just, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, when you talk about that. It becomes this kind of instant reaction to all you're doing is taking away my freedom. You're taking away my freedom to go where I want to, when I want to, how I want to, with as big of a vehicle as I want to. And and it becomes this personal fight. And I, I'm not quite sure exactly how that happened or what what triggered that but it's it's been a it's been a generational thing and it's really interesting to see that. So the interesting thing about the inner loop <clears throat> is you know we filled in this section. And this eastern section of it, which kind of was the easy part. And then, um, you know, it's pretty well accepted now. I mean, I think people are finally coming around. They're getting it. You Mm -hmm. know, they're saying, oh, it's kind of cool. It kind of opens up the city a little bit. Now they're talking about doing the same thing on the north end, and people are freaking out all over again. (laughs) It's just just funny to see that. But getting back to the Strong Museum, they're building their expansion into there. And this whole project is kind of really the, the, the centerpiece around a Rochester that is really going through an unbelievable revival. And the cool thing that I like to see... There are some issues I have with mm-hmm. what's going on, obviously. Not everything's perfect. But the cool thing I like to see is there are 20-plus residential projects either completed in the works or or, or, or in are, development. Are, in development yeah. that are coming on the table. And, you know, the thing that's really interesting is downtown is becoming that vibrant. I hate to use the word vibrant too much. Sure. It's becoming a neighborhood again. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's becoming a neighborhood... Um, is that's a hard concept for people because I, I write about this all the time. Is there something I always write about? Is that people think that the way to build cities is to create a destination? The way to build cities is to get people living there and to get people supporting their city, uh, you know, by, by living there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Those are going to be your most sustainable situations. If you have if you have a, a, a population that can sustain the city uh, on its own. It will attract uh, that's, other that's things, right. right? right. And, and then your 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 best, they become your best uh, tourism department because they're going to tell your friends, their friends, hey, move here, visit here, come here. That's mm-hmm. all you need. You need people living downtown and people happy living downtown with living downtown. And and that you know that's a very powerful message, and that's a hard one to drive home with people because people just want to think of downtown as a place where you go and and eat drive and, and drink. drive out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And listen. That's fine. I always say there's nothing wrong with that. That is a strong element. When I come to Utica, mm-hmm. man, I'm hitting up yeah, you Ocean, know, Blue, Ocean Blue, and, yeah. and I'm going to go to Gerber's, yeah. I'm going to you know Varick yeah. Street. I'm I'm enjoying that. I'm you know mm-hmm. I've got friends here now, and, yeah. and I really enjoy that. And and there's a component to that when I when I when I visit. But you know, seeing what's happening in the apartments, the Doyle lofts across the street, and everything like that—that's what really, yeah, really seeds that that's what can, makes me go, yeah, mm-hmm. that's the right things are happening. It, um, Back up for a second, yeah. and you've alluded to your blog. Can you talk? Can you talk a little bit about you know what is Urban Phoenix and why did you start doing this? Because you've been now doing this. Um, I've known you as a blogger 
for I don't know three four years now. Yeah. And but uh, and you're also a photographer. But let's focus on the blogging. Yeah. Part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, the funny thing is, most people don't know this at all. I've worked for the University of Rochester for ten years. I never I'm in, knew that. I'm in. I'm in clinical drug trial supplies, basically. So I go in a clean room on a given day and I put labels on kit boxes that go out to sites that go out to patients. Um, I know what active and placebo is. is but is, <laughs> is this like, is this a, a that is my full time job? That's been my full time job. Yes. I thought you I were a, a freeloader no, this whole no, time. I am absolutely. I, I, uh, <laughs> wow, okay. the urban Phoenix, uh, it does not make money. So, um, sure. Uh, I do this strictly because it is turned into a thing and I can't go back. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. I absolutely yeah. love what, it, what we've been able to accomplish. Um, but you know, my photography is something I do. I don't want to say on the side is my mm-hmm. other full-time job, especially during the summer. Oh, okay. So I do that on nights and weekends and the urban Phoenix kind of came about, there's a very long winded story about this. And I'm going to try to summarize it. Um, I was traveling. I loved, like you said, traveling by train. I was traveling by train. I think it's 2014, summer 2014 to New York city. And, uh, I was on Amtrak and traveling from Rochester and there was this it was a rainy day it was a gloomy day it was it was ugly out and the um, it was just must have been a Saturday because the train ran you know stopped at Utica station and the farmers market was outside mm-hmm. and there was you know tents and people milling around it was a horrific day it was awful and yet people I, I still people saw people smiling and laughing and having a good time and you know buying stuff mm-hmm. and the vendors were there and, and I thought you know I've never heard a good thing about Utica Never once. I never once in Rochester heard someone say, oh, it's a nice little town. I heard, it's terrible. What year was this? This is 2014. 2014, okay. All right. right, right. It's amazing how things change right, a little bit, right? Because now, now I'm right. finally starting yeah. to hear good things. So, um, you know, it was interesting because I thought, oh, that's, that's kind of interesting. I look at the population. I looked it up on my phone. It's like 60,000 people. It's like, you know, the... the there's a reason 60,000 people here live here why why is that I wonder you know what what is it about this town I've never been here Mm -hmm. all I've heard are you know things from other people and there's a lesson to be learned there right of course an obvious one so you know we move on one of the next stops is Schenectady and same thing I've never heard a good thing about Schenectady but the train stops Mm-hmm. The station is above the, uh, the, the the street level, basically. And you can look both ways down their main street, which is State Street, which is beautiful, by the mm-hmm. way. It looks like you're in a much bigger city for a little stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a wonderful job. And same thing. I've never heard a good thing about Schenectady. And, um, you know, and, and yet here was this, you know, nice little downtown staring me in the face. So I thought to myself, you know, there's something here. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool if I just spent a day in these places and figured out why 60,000 people live in each of these cities. And I started in Utica and I spent a day here in, I was November 8th, I believe, 2015. The first one? The first time. Yeah. yeah. I didn't launch it until January. It took me two months to write this because I never, I mean, yeah, I was, it was going to be like a photo blog, like a tour of places that you wouldn't think to spend a day. Right. Right. And what it was is I ended up having all these conversations and I ended up having conversations with people. Everyone I met and connected with on the street were so, they wanted so badly to, to tell me about Utica and they wanted so badly to tell you, hey, you got to check this place out. You know, I had a man stop me on the street and he was, he was, he wanted, he cooked lunch for me in, in a, he was a, in an Asian restaurant. It was his restaurant. It wasn't even open. He's like, he's like, I'm, I'm going to cook for you now. And I wow. go in there, his family cooks me this lunch. I wasn't even hungry, but <laughs> this, yeah. he just, you know, the generosity and the, mm-hmm. the, the outreach, you know, I went to Stanley theater. It was, of course it was Riggy Fest. I just sure. lucked out on that. Sure. And by the way, I want to say before I came to Utica, I talked to Sarah Foster from yeah. Oneida yeah. County tourism and she pointed me, she was, 
just wonderful in pointing me in all the right directions and put t- sending me to Utica yeah. Coffee, which was you know the big new thing yeah. kind of then. And and um, but everywhere I went, people were welcoming. And this place that I heard nothing but terrible things about, I, I couldn't have been happier to spend that day. That was one of the best days of my life. Wow. Just all because right, it, all right, I tamped down the... It, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm an enthusiastic yeah, no, guy. Know, sure, so, sure, you know, I know. I, when I see people that I can connect with, mm-hmm. when I see a community of people that are willing They're to willing reach to. out... They're willing to, yeah, sure. And, you know, to be honest, at the time, Rochester, I wasn't getting that vibe. Mm-hmm. I would say it's different now. I think I think people are getting it in Rochester, but in a small city like this, I think that was half the appeal. Is there was this kind of we're all in it together. Family was you feeling. also on some kind of foldable bike or something too? I was on a scooter, an electric scooter. Right, so at the you were also I have my an, bike you here are a today. Tra- an attraction. Exactly. Now, so. <laughs> so that's and that's part of it. If you kind of if if you if there's a way that people can engage you, mm-hmm. that's kind of something I've there, learned. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have my foldable bike here, yeah. and, and you know, and even that is such a odd contraption mm-hmm. that people you know ask me about it and that's the thing is that you know i've learned over time while doing this over three and a half years or whatever yeah find ways for people to engage you because that's organic then those people are you know you know yeah. those people are willing to talk to you so um yeah i launched the blog and it was absolute pandemonium it was weird i'm sitting here at my work uh, you know the day putting after the day of this together, long, putting right. kits together with a with a smock on mm-hmm. and a hairnet and booties on, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm in semi clean room mm-hmm. kind of, and my phone will not shut up. I just it just ding 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 ding, and uh, you know, and I'm I'm refreshing my numbers every three seconds, and every three seconds there's ten, eleven, twelve new new yeah. peaks at this thing, and. Uh, the first day it had like 14,000 views. And the, by the second day, it had 25,000. By the second day, I had, I think, three radio interviews, two, uh, you know, uh, an invitation to come back and meet the mayor. This, right, because you, you just gave it a shot, right? I, I you just gave the city a shot. Literally. Well, right, exactly. Yeah. And what, what it really was is, you know, you realize that I think in some, we, we get so down on our cities and we get so it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. The things that mm-hmm. other people say, we start to, you know, absorb no matter into where our you own. Are. Exactly. We start to absorb that into our own kind of definition of, of, of our cities. And what I really just realized is very simply, it's not anything that I did. It's not that the writing is great. It's not that the pictures are great. It's just people needed something to rally around here. They needed something to connect with. It's something that was positive. Well, I think they it's needed someone from the outside. outside. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's someone that was not from here. I, I always liken it to, it's kind of like your mom saying you're cool. And then you're, yeah. you know, this guy in the playground saying you're yeah. cool. And yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a big difference. <laughs> and, um, and kind of from there, very, you know, I, I did this in other cities and it had the same effect mm-hmm. and it's connected. It actually went bigger, believe wow. it or not. And, um, you know, so I've been all around the state kind of visiting cities kind of large and small and doing this kind of, you know, going and walking and talking to local businesses, owners, um, talking to people on the street, things like that, and, and finding what's cool and what's happening in each city. And it's neat to see where they're similar and where they're different. Mm-hmm. And then as time went on, I realized, you know, I, I was a lot of it was I don't want to say it was fluff, but a lot of it was it was all positive. Sure. And I started really getting into kind of reading and, and studying viciously about what makes a strong city revival. What makes a sustainable impact? How do you take this energy that's we're seeing in cities of all sizes and how do we go to that next step and that next level and not just spin out of control with the pandemonium of it, um, not just create these big behemoth projects mm-hmm. that might be 
you know, just legacy projects. And mm-hmm. How do you create a smart, sustainable revival in cities? So I started writing as much or more, which I do now, about kind of, I hate this term because it's so misunderstood, urbanism in general, and talking about how to create healthy communities. So now I will say, you know, about Utica, hey, love this, but this is something that needs to get addressed here. I don't know if anybody knows that, mm-hmm. but this is something that I see just by walking your streets. This is something that needs to get looked at. So now it's about talking about the components of a positive urban revival, and that's kind of where we are now. As you've been traveling around, um, well, I guess, what, what makes a great city to you? What makes a, what makes a successful Rust Belt city revival? We're in, we're in it. We're in it. We're, this is this is this is the thinkubator right here. This is where ah, yeah. we, we are in the thinkubator. And uh, to me, it's the places that I go where I see innovators and innovators that are also connected to their community. So, you know, they're looking to do something that they think is cool. That they're looking to do something that they think is, you know, that, that's a passion for them. You know, maybe make a couple of bucks too. You sure. know, whatever. You know, that's that's part of it. We're all. Got to get along. We got to got to get along. Yeah, Um, but also people that are extremely connected to their community, and and that is the component that I think is really driving uh, people forward. And you know, I see it in Troy, New York, with a gentleman. You know, Vic Christopher is a guy who. uh, he basically took a, a building that was, I think, was slated for destruction mm-hmm. or something like that, and turned it into a um, Lucas Confectionery, and, and he basically turned it into four, I think, four or so different businesses: a cocktail bar, a restaurant, awesome. a, a grocer, and a. So you know, he took he and he put it down in a neighborhood that, to be honest, was you know wasn't doing a whole lot. Um, he was from Brooklyn, I guess, originally, and he, you know, got he said just the, the pricing and everything like that just became ridiculous there. So he wanted to create that same kind of feel somewhere else. What and was his name? Vic Christopher. Vic Christopher. Yes, he is. He's is a tremendous energy guy, and he gets things done. And he, you know, from what I understand, he is somebody that he is just because sometimes just because you're not from a community doesn't mean that you're not looking to connect and make new inroads and and have genuine um kind of desires for that community exactly sure and uh, you know we (laughs) just because again yeah just because you're not from here means doesn't necessarily mean that you're not you're not engaged. You're not I met a guy engaged. down in Troy. I, I can't remember his last name. Corey. He started. A, 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 was it Troy Kitchen? Kitchen. Yeah, which is it's amazing. Awesome, right? Amazing. It's like a like a restaurant incubator, yes, right? Yes. And that's it's a brilliant idea mm-hmm. and super nice guy. You right. know. And and the, so you know those are the those are the kinds of people. I mean, um, you know, I see, you know, Jake DeBerry in, yeah, in, sure. in, in Rome is taking a city that. You're just going to get a retweet from him when yeah, you hear right. this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing it for that reason, really. No, uh, you know, Jake DeBerry in Rome is is somebody that's, you know, he's he's tasked with a very difficult job. He, it's his passion to, to take a city that sprawls unlike yeah. any other in our region and create a strong downtown with the knowledge that that's going to create a tighter community. And it's hard sometimes to sell people on that that are perfectly happy going to their home that's 10 miles out of downtown. And, you know, to say that this is something that's important for us all, for our community, and to have that vision. Uh, you know, to me, the strong cities are built by the strong people that are looking to, you know, organically and incrementally uh, take their city to the next step. But so then what's what do you think has changed over the last decade or so? Because there's always been strong people. 
What is the, what is the thing? Oh. Is, is it, you know, is it, yes. I've always had this theory that we've just decided to take charge of the narrative and, mm-hmm. and that it's been easier for people to connect around something. But um, I'm curious to hear what you think that is. I like to say it's because I think, I think a lot of people look at the fact that, for example, and this is, this is just one component. I think there's a million different things that factor into that. But I think, um, you know, this, this, this kind of construct where, you know, they say kids are living at home longer, mm-hmm. right? You know, into their 20s and 30s, 30s where, yeah. you know, hey, it used to be, you know, you get out of college, you're gone, yeah. you're going to New York, and you're going to Boston, mm-hmm. or you're going to Chicago, you're going to Atlanta. Um, you, you're going to a bigger city. And maybe you come back later or something like that. And that's still there. That's still very much there. But I think a big piece of that is... Um, this is happening and, you know, people are staying in their, in, you know, in their hometown longer. And I think they're saying, okay, now that I'm in my hometown and I can't really do the things maybe that I wanted to in a bigger city, how do I bring a little bit of that element here? How do I, you know, how do I? So we should thank I, the I, Great I'm Recession, here. basically, I, as we you should, know. You know what? I think that's a byproduct. That, I really do. Yeah. I really, that's really an think that's way a of piece of about it. it. Yeah. Those, those kids that used to leave their small towns maybe don't have the, the means to do that as much as they used to. So they got to They're saddled with all this debt. And they say, well, while I'm here, might as well do something cool. Mm-hmm. Might as well, you know, and, and I want, it's, it's a desire too. Like I want the elements of, you know, what I see when I go to a bigger city, I'd like to see that in my city. I know for me, being born in Chicago, I never thought, Rochester could have components of what Chicago did. How when long I, were you in Chicago? I wasn't there that long. So I was there until I was three. Yeah. My mom's originally from here. She moved uh, to Chicago. She's mm-hmm. a violist by trade. She's an amazing woman. No way. She is. She, she studied with the first violist in the Chicago Symphony. Wow. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. She's, she was a tremendous, tremendous violist. She's she's my hero. She's my... She's she still playing? Incredible person. Yeah, she teaches. She's taught uh, string uh, violin viola for about 40, 45 years wow. now. She's amazing. <laughs> she's Very a great cool. teacher. She's incredible. So so, um, by, you know, my parents split and, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, we came back to Rochester where her family was or our family is. And, um, you know, but I would go back to Chicago and visit my dad. I, I love the experience of, you know, having that big city experience mm-hmm. and vibe. And, of course, you know, I love trains. We rode the trains everywhere. It was, it was great. But I, I really got to appreciate all the things that a big city has to offer. And I never thought that Rochester could be there. And what I saw is over time, slowly Rochester started adding elements of that big city feel, that big city life. And yet it was approachable. And yet it was, it was incremental. And it was comfortable. And I realized that I could be a part of that and that I could kind of uh, tap into that, that I didn't need to go to a bigger city. I didn't need to feel like I was missing out. So what are those things? What are those things that you're saying? They're adding adding things that are big city uh, amenities. uh, Amenities. Yeah. Yeah, So for you, what are those things? You know, I think we all connect with, of course, the, the whole... You know the, the the cool coffee shop, the sure. restaurant, the bar. You know the, the the entertainment aspect of it. I think you know from there. You know then for me it, it's things like you know I've been fighting for years for better you know bike infrastructure in Rochester. Oh God, Somebody who doesn't you know drive a car really. Um, you know I went car free you know some time ago. You know. I bike everywhere, and so that's really important to me. And I found a, a community of other people who is important to. You as do it well. year round. I do a year round. Good yes, for you. Yes, I have a fat tire bike in the winter to do it. Yeah, yeah. Foot of snow, wow. zero degrees. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's not that bad. You just you just do it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you know, it's it is in part an intangible. I, I think 
to be part of the city experience. I go to downtown Rochester now, and I just see more people there. And I see, um, I see an energy that I didn't see before. I see a positivity that I didn't see before. I see an acceptance that I didn't see before. You're always going to have the naysayers. But it is more an intangible based on the fact that you can actually see things happening. You can see, you know, there's a big debate over... There's a big debate over a very key plot of land in, in downtown Rochester that used to be Midtown Mall. It used to be a downtown mall. Uh, it got knocked down, just was completely falling apart. It wasn't, wasn't doing anything. And there was a debate. I won't get into it because it's a big... It, it is almost as heated as the, the, yeah, the no hospital, hospital downtown yeah. versus you know, whatever debate here. Um, but it's, you know, you know the, people are fighting over this space because it's, it's in the center of the city. And it's one of the places that you look out and you feel when you're in this spot that you can see the mm-hmm. city. You're inside it. And I never felt that before. When, you know, when I realized that you, you could actually be in the city and look up at it in, mm-hmm. a, in a small city like Rochester. And, you know, it's, it's that feeling. And it's seeing, you know, them changing things like even just changing traffic patterns, changing our one-way streets to two-way streets. So now the streets feel much w- more walkable, slower, uh, easy to, easier to, you know, I, I'm more in touch with those things, of course, because sure, I read bike. and write about all those things. Well, well, I'm on, on bike, bike, I'm on foot more <laughs> yeah. often, everything like that. But, yeah. you know, people don't understand, you know, don't, they don't realize always how that, those little changes impact them. Well, Rochester's been making so many of those little changes. I'm starting to feel that, and I'm starting to get really energized by that. And other people are too. They may not be as conscious of why those reasons are. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a new train station. Uh, we are reimagining our bus network. Our, uh, we have, you know, uh, our RTS, our, our bus service, has done a wonderful job, um, which I ride all the time. I love our bus service. It's great. It's not perfect, obviously, but buses are clean. Everything's good, relatively on time, I think, anyway. Um, you know, you just see kind of in every area there's momentum building. Yes, we're still dealing with a nationwide worst poverty problem. Right. Uh, you know, those things need to be addressed. The cool thing is, as I get deeper into enjoying Rochester, I'm seeing more people that are affecting Rochester. And I'm seeing, you know, community organizations that are using metrics and data available to actually start making a difference in our biggest issues and our biggest problems. Uh, access to resources, you know, for people that may not be able to afford a car. 25%, I believe, of of Rochester proper uh, does not own a vehicle. So, you know, transportation is a huge piece of, you know, helping folks get to their work reliably, you know, every day. Um, You know, those are elements that I'm starting to see, too, come into play. Um, It's not happening as quickly as I would like, but it never does. And um, so it's, it's, it's seeing the fact that it's the city's becoming more vibrant, so that's it's becoming more fun. Uh, more people are living in it, which means a greater chance for local mm-hmm. pride because, sure. you know, hey, I live here now. This is my, I'm owning this space. When you show ownership over a space, you're going to commit more of yourself and more resources to it uh, and more thought to it, to its development and its future. Um, you know, from the transportation side, that's big for me. I, I, uh, transportation is so key in um, making sure people have access to resources. From a, a not-for-profit side, making sure that there's people reaching out to uh, under, you know, underserved communities. Uh, and you know, I, I joined the Southeast Area Coalition uh, neighborhood organization. Awesome. Basically, we're doing some great things. Um, 
you know, it just seeing it. Well, and these things compound too. Yes. That's the thing. It's like compound interest, right? It is. Like it, it is the next thing yes. is, is, is it's not incremental. It's exponential. Exactly. Exactly. And, it, it, but it has to be incremental to be exponential. We got to start that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it, what it is, is yeah, it's, it's, it's just a foundation. You see the foundation there. You know, the Interloop project is big. I mean, that's mm-hmm. something that not a ton of cities are doing. And a lot of the nation is looking at Rochester as an example. They want to do this to I-81, uh, you know, in, in, in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. That's facing a tremendous uh, fight, you know, for, for that. Uh, you know, the, the Skyway in Buffalo, same thing. You know, Rochester has become now the model for a small city. Uh, for, you know, we're, the, the rest of the nation is watching very intently. And right. to, to see that, that we're kind of the example of, that we're kind of setting that trend mm-hmm. in a way is, is really, really, you know, that to me um, makes me say, you know, I'm, I'm taking a lot of pride in that. I think that's pretty awesome. That's what, very cool. What we're doing. You know, I think... Um, one of the th- the thing the one of the I guess theses is is what's plural for thesis theses <laughs> that's as good of a guess as one I of can, the theses yeah. theses <laughs> I might write a lot it doesn't mean I'm good at it that uh, <laughs> yeah you're the blogger have you read Siri, my blog there's, thesis there's, there's, there's more um, there's more grammatical errors in there than oh man. you know when I think of a city uh, my my wife and I when we got married we we did for our honeymoon we drove from um, Seattle down to Vegas down the West Coast awesome. I'd never been down the West Coast oh I never have um, never been to California never been to any sure. of these places and um, you you hear a lot about um, Seattle and Portland yeah and uh, have you been to Seattle or Portland I've never been to the West Coast great what do you know about Seattle and Portland. Um, obviously that, you know, you know, it's the crunchy, you know, kind of, kind of granola, you know, kind of, you know, that's the stereotype, right? I know, I know just from my own reading, cause I read about cities across mm-hmm. the country. I know that there's, there's a lot more to that, mm-hmm. um, that there's a complete other side to that. What do you think of the beer and all that kind of stuff? Oh, sure. Like, yeah. Like coffee, Portland beer, is... rain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. You think of and, yeah, um, yeah. you know, Amazon. it strikes me that when we were there, uh, all of those things were, all of those things were true, uh, in, in their own, in their own ways. But, you know, I think one of the reasons people go to, let's just use a Portland is like, you can't walk down a block without hitting a microbrewery. I mean, there's right. hundreds right. in the city. And it strikes me that some of the, the things that we, think about when we think of a, a great city or, or mm-hmm. a city's identity yeah. uh, typically doesn't come from I don't I don't go to mm-hmm. Seattle because Amazon's there right right I know where you're going with you know this. What, yes. you know it's it's the cultural it's yes. the little things that I'm starting to see and, and working with um, people that are trying to get ventures off the ground here I love the fact that 90% of them are, are mom and pop small well, that's, scale because that's, that's going to yeah. define the cultural fabric of yes. of what this becomes yes. you know it's Great. If Zucks walked in and wanted to do Facebook too, I'll, I'd love to work with you. Sure, but, um, sure, of course. But we don't go to Seattle for Amazon. We don't, you no. know, we go to we go to Portland for the little beers that we'd never heard of. You know, I did a piece recently talking about, like, I can't remember the exact title, but I featured, you know, I was, I was talking why are breweries, microbreweries, and coffee shops the first place to pop into an emerging neighborhood? Is when you think about it, it's 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 very scalable. It's something that mm-hmm. people want. It's, you know, people it's always need coffee. Too. But it, it, here's the thing. It's, it's scalable as far as the commitment, you know, f- as far as financial commitment. It might not seem like it mm-hmm. to the people yeah. that are investing, but um, it, it doesn't take a lot of space. Uh, it doesn't take, you know, you don't have to be in a prime location necessarily for it to work. And the cool thing about the reason it's so popular, I think, with people is the fact that it is... 
there is a time scalable factor. I can walk in and have a tasting for 20 minutes or I can stay there for two hours. I can go in alone and have an experience and try out that new beer that's on their list or I can meet a group of friends. I use the example of Copper City Brewing in in, mm-hmm. uh, in, Rome. in in Rome and kind of what that has turned into for that community. I've seen people have business meetings in there, uh, you know, company outings, group outings. Uh, I've seen people just walk in there, you know, as seen individuals. people there all day. Exactly. And they pop <laughs> yeah. in for, yeah, a short yeah. period of time, maybe to fill a growler. Sure. Or they, you know, or, or they're there to mm-hmm. have a good time and to listen to music. And it's 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 not just scalable as far as the amount of space that you use or the amount of, or, or what kind of product you serve or how big or small you want to get with it. It's also scalable in the for the customer. Yeah, the, the interactions can yes, be is is very you can you can sit up with mm-hmm. a bar and and talk with the bartender for you know mm-hmm. um, you know all day or, or the or the barista or whatever mm-hmm. you know or you can you know sit down and read a paper or you know meet a friend or even. Half my photography business, you know, as far as meeting clients sure. is in coffee shops. Sure. And um, I, I think they become kind of just meeting places. And mm-hmm. I think those are the first places that bring people together. And I think that that is a big piece of what starts the process. We saw that with so ba- Utica, in Bag yeah. Square with Utica Coffee. Yeah. Perfect example. That was the first place I visited in Utica. Hmm. And, um, uh, you know, so when you talk about those mom and pop places, that's big. But it's also the retail always kind of comes last. It's the foodie places and things like that, that that people can kind of have different reasons to go to. If I go to a restaurant, I can sit up at the bar and have a drink or I can sit down with my, you know, with my fiance and eat dinner. Mm-hmm. It's that scalability with how you approach that service or that business that's, I think, key. Uh, to, to, to bringing people in. I know it sounds like an odd concept, but it's I find not, it to be very much true. It. No, it, it, it's interesting. It's really interesting. Um, do you live downtown? Do you want to live downtown? So I'm a city guy. I would live downtown if it was just me, if I could afford it, by the way. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I that's a whole other all, I think, thing. I think yeah. we're all, agree- well, you know, the, the affordable housing and, and things like that is completely, that's a, we could yeah. spend two days sure. on that. Um, but, you know, if I could afford downtown, I would live downtown in a heartbeat. Downtown Rochester, I would love it. Um, you know, my I was born in a big city. Uh, my fiance is from the country. She's you know she she grew up for mm-hmm. the most part in the country. And while she has you know she likes city life and she likes being close to the city, she doesn't quite want to get I think as quite as close as I do. <laughs> and you know that's a that's another big thing that we're dealing with a lot in cities is the experience for men in cities is much different than mm. the experience for women. Yeah. And you know somebody said one time or lots of people have actually said you want to build. You, you want to build a great city, build it for women, build it for families and, and everything else will fall into place. And I love that. I think it's very, very true. That's the experience brilliant. for women uh, in cities is very different. And that's something we have to be very conscious of going forward with our city revivals. Um, you know, we, we have to think about that, that that is a different experience because most of the people who are developing, most of the people who are planning these things are men. And, and, and that's something we always have to keep in our minds. Uh, besides Rochester, you talked a little bit about Utica. Is there what's the most off the radar place you visited that you were you were surprised, pleasantly surprised by? There's probably a lot of them, but I'm going to say off the radar. You know, I, I would say kind of Geneva, New York. Probably hmm. it was really interesting going there because that was the first time I'd gone. I went to it like ten thousand people there. It's a small yeah, city in comparison yeah. to the places that I that I had kind of visited and toured um, earlier. And 
Geneva, the thing that I thought was neat was the Chamber of Commerce, city government, everyone seemed to be, seemed to be, I'm I'm sure sure there's, you know, whatever, but they really all seemed to be on the same page. And that I found to be a little tricky sometimes, is getting the the, the movers and shakers uh, on the same page. And not only that, sometimes you go into a smaller town and you, you, there's the people that are that are planning and pushing forward the chamber of commerce is they're a little dated (laughs) in a smaller community um no these people knew what was what they knew what was going to work and they focused very hard on putting the right tools in the the hands of the people in in each neighborhood um so that they could you know they they wouldn't do it for you they're not going to do it for you but they will give you you. if if you say hey i want to i want to take care of this or i want to put some some planted pods you know they'll find you those resources to go to and i i thought i thought they did a really great job of engaging the city you know the 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 small neighborhoods in each city and saying what do you need what do you need what do you need they even had like a a softball team i think Mm -hmm. the chamber of commerce had a softball just so they could engage people different teams every every week and kind of say hey what you know we're here for you let let us know what you know what resources you need to get in touch with and i thought that was cool because it was kind of the you know we'll we'll hand you the tools if you want to if you want to hoe the garden um, and it seems to be really, really working there. So I was very, very surprised by that community. That's also the only place that I've ever gone to that has where the blog itself had more views than the population. <laughs> I know that sounds that's really, cool. really weird, but that's uh, that, cool. that it, it, they took to it very, very, um, very, very well. The other place that's really neat, another kind of 10,000 population place is Hudson, New York. I've never been to Hudson. <clears throat> Hudson's great. Take the train. It's, it's, you, you can take the train. You can spend an overnight there, get a bed and breakfast. Uh, it's all walkable. There's Basically, everything that's there is on this one main drag called Warren Street. And it's just, if you like antiquing or you like shops or great food, great you know restaurant, there's a theater there that's kind of getting kind of remade, cool. redone. There's so much happening in a very small space. It's what it is. Is all the folks that got priced out of Brooklyn, they're now they're going. Setting up they're shop. now setting up shop there. Yeah, cool. which is interesting because you almost see this micro gentrification thing happening. So the people that have been there for a long time, a lot of them were kind of saying, "Yeah, it's tough. The prices are going up. We're getting priced out. You know, we used to. This used to be an artist space, and now it's kind of just like Brooklyn turning wow. into a very pot. So it's it's really interesting to see that element kind of even filter into Creeping these small yeah. spaces to everywhere. And you start to see these patterns happening and start to say, hey, watch out for this, watch out for this. And I've learned a lot about the steps of a city. For example, I came here to Utica, and the first, one of the first times I was here, I noticed there were no cocktails on any of the bar menus. And I said, you watch, in a couple of years, that will be the front of every menu. Hmm. You know, I, That'll be before your food, yeah. like it is in Rochester. Yeah. And because it, you know, that was Rochester ten years ago. There was nobody did a cocktail 10, right. 15 years right. ago in Rochester. Now, I what do you see? Dollars yeah. for a drink, exactly. <laughs> oh, eleven, yeah. right, right, twelve. Right. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, and I see that now that I come when I come yeah. to Utica, the cocktail thing is is starting to pop up mm-hmm. now. Uh, you got um, Wakeley's and it's awesome, and, yeah, and it's awesome. Yeah. It is, yeah, and it's it's people. People are into it. Cool. Um, where can people find you online if they want to connect with you? Um, what's the you know? This is the ch- plug the website, plug the photos. Yeah, where yeah. do people find you? Go to theurbanphoenix.com. Uh, you can hit me up on uh, theurbanphoenixblog at gmail.com. I actually have not set up a, a legit email for it yet, which is just awful. <laughs> could be worse. <laughs> but yeah, you can, you can find me there. Um, and, you know, obviously I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter a lot. 
uh, more than I should be. Mm -hmm. And occasionally on Instagram, I find that I can only maintain two uh, accounts at one time reliably. So I'm trying to focus on Twitter and Facebook. But um, it's been a great experience. And um, I just I love being able to connect with people, connect with cities and 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 really, really see the good things happening here. And uh, it's 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 hard work at times, but it's been so rewarding. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, thanks for giving us the time today. It was awesome. It's good to, good to take a deep dive with you because I think le- we've only done this over here for the tour of the space and, and a beer one. Yes, so this is yes. this is great. This so. is this went by so quick, and I just want to say one more thing in yeah, closing. Yeah. Thank you for opening up a forum for people that want to tell a story because I think we all kind of we all know our story, and maybe we tell our story in 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 short. Mm-hmm. But you're giving people very creative people very smart intelligent people a forum to share their passions and to be able to do that a little bit is is really really it, it feels good it feels Thanks, good man. for us so we, we all kind of need to do that a little bit and we also need to hear other people's journeys and transitions into into you know I think where they were where they are now maybe it's it was the, it's the same for you with the the blog is um with this project like i just wanted to I just wanted to build the podcast that I wanted to listen to, yes. and it wasn't out there. So I'm like, oh, I'll just go make something I that's interesting. That. To me. I P- love that. Period. Right. That's that's ingenuity. That's that's. I'm building this for an audience of one right now, and if other people <laughs> come along, great. So thank, thanks a lot. I appreciate that's that. That's how the great things happen. Thanks so much All for right, having man. me. That was easy. Simple. Beautiful. Thanks. Dude. That went so. I want to thank Arian for taking the train down and, and spending some time with us. You got to check out his blog. You can, uh, you know, definitely drop by, tell him you heard this episode, show him a little love, leave him a comment. It's theurbanphoenix.com. And thanks a lot for tuning in. Uh, you know, quick reminder: I'm, I'm doing some interesting stuff um, with the newsletter, which I'm, I'm sending out every month-ish. So if you're so inclined, uh, go to rustbeltstartup.com, leave me your email, and I'll send you some good stuff, some some episode recaps some bonus stuff and I uh, got some got some big things some, some to announce uh, shortly got a couple of really awesome guests coming up they're all awesome but these are particularly awesome so if you want to be the first to know uh, sign up for the email list because I'll be sending that stuff out soon-ish and uh, if you're digging it w- whether you're in Stitcher iTunes uh, you know wh- however you're getting this leave a leave a review leave a leave a rating it, it helps me in the in the search stuff and I really appreciate it I have a new episode in two weeks on Rust Belt Startup. Thank you so much for listening.